Hello, and welcome to Women in Retail Talks, the podcast where C-suite executive women in the retail space share their stories of professional growth, leadership development, personal journeys, and so much more. I'm Melissa Campanelli, the co-founder of the Women in Retail Leadership Circle, which is a membership-based community of executive women at leading retailers and brands. I'm so excited because joining me today is Kelly Cook, the president of marketing, IT, and finance at David's Bridal. We're so excited to talk to her today about her role at David's Bridal, how she helped transform the brand and help it to emerge out of bankruptcy by having a laser focus on the customer, some of her leadership lessons, and so much more. Welcome, Kelly. Nice to see you again, Melissa. So glad to be here. Yeah, I'm so excited. It's a Friday, so we're getting ready for the weekend, but I'm so excited to to talk to you. It's been a while. So I'm just going to jump in. Um, One of the reasons that we're chatting today is because I noticed that you have a new role. um, So you're president of marketing, IT and finance. That's that's kind of an interesting role to me. What what do you oversee? Yeah, sure. So first of all, we're in the love business. So any job in the love business is good. Uh, When you're in the happiness business, it's like, you know, COVID, murder hornets, snowmageddon, floods, it doesn't matter. You can't cancel love. (laughs) So (laughs) that's obviously a a really good thing. Um, But in simple terms, I oversee the brand. I oversee technically how we support the brand and oversee financially how we fund the brand. That's probably the easiest description. Perfect. Um, and as I said earlier in the opening, you, you sort of helped help the company <laughs> emerge out of bankruptcy. Um, you're right now working to rebound and transform the brand. And you're doing all of this by having a laser focus on your customers. So tell us a little bit about how you're doing this, why you're doing this, why it's important. Sure. Yeah. So we, we definitely we've emerged, which is in, which is incredible. Um, we were purchased by Scion Investment uh, by Greg and Jeff, who are, are phenomenal partners of ours. And our rebrand is really central around this theme of the things we do for love. And it's everything from changing our price points to giving her more value, to meeting her where she is, to giving her more tools to plan her event. Um, to give her more innovative solutions on how she can get more money for her dollar. Believe it or not, Melissa, when I got here four years ago, the average wedding cost about twenty-three dollars to $24,000, and now it's $32,000. I mean, it has had wow. an incredible, yeah, incredible jump. And a lot of the brides we talk to are moving their weddings out a year just so they can save up for their wedding um, because wow. they want the wedding or their dreams. So, we're laser focused uh, as an organization and as a leadership team on all the things that we can do to give her more value for the same dollar. I mean, we have literally addressed Melissa with 15,000 hand sewn beads on it and you can get it for a couple of hundred dollars. Wow, that's that's impressive. Yeah, and our merchant team is phenomenal. Our design studio is phenomenal and they're always looking more value, less money, more value, less money across everything we do. Wow. That's great. That's the way you have to think about it nowadays, I think. True. Um, <laughs> um, but you had an am- amazing career at David's already. I'm going to list some of the, the cool things that you've already done at the company. Um, you launched the first ever diamond loyalty program in the wedding industry, um, which now has 2 million members and it generated over $700 million, $790 million in sales. Um, you launched AI generated content, which is such a hot topic right now. 
you've helped increase store traffic, launched an app. I mean, you know, what are your secrets to success here? And and more specifically, you know, how are you able to galvanize your workforce behind growth strategies? Because that's kind of like one of the things we hear a lot about from our our members and our listeners is sort of getting your team to kind of rise up with you. Yeah, no, I, I love that question. So th- there's sort of two pieces to it. There's sort of, you know, yourself personally as leaders, right? And then there's the team and how do those two things work together? I heard a very, very successful executive one time that was being interviewed. They asked him, what's your secret to the su- your su- success? And he said, experience. And the second question was, how do you get experience? And he says, you make good decisions. And he said, well, how do you make good decisions? How do you learn how to make good decisions? And he goes, by making a lot of bad decisions. <laughs> and I love that. So I, I think it's, it's <laughs> a lot of things too about a leader, but more specifically about David's bridal. And I know it sounds like a simplistic answer, but it's it's got complex dimensions. The simple answer is the people, but I want to explain why it's it's multidimensional. One, it's the people that work at David's Bridal. We call ourselves dream makers. And the, the, the passion and the drive and the enthusiasm of this workforce to do whatever it takes to make that bride and that bridesmaids happy is unprecedented in any business I've ever been a part of. I mean, we will the the team will stop at nothing. Even during COVID when we had to shut down stores, we never missed a dress. Think about that. And all the and some of the innovations that you named like the AI content we you know launched with Zoe we launched virtual stylists, we launched curbside pickup, all of that yummy stuff was implemented at a time where the only thing this team of thousands and thousands of employees were thinking was, we cannot miss a dress, we have to serve her. That's sort of the employee side of it, but it's not just that, Melissa. I mean, this bankruptcy process, well, yeah, it was definitely difficult and it's not something I wanna live through again by any means. But I was blown away, blown away by our partners who were in this with us, who wanted us to make it, who gave up things on their own side financially to make it work for us, reducing rates on different contracts that we had to give us a little bit of OPEX ease going into our new company. Like partner after partner after partner. And I don't think we had one partner that didn't come to the table with some kind of way to help us. That's an extraordinary, that's an extraordinary experience to have from banks to everybody, Melissa. And it's, it's very humbling and it sort of refuels and reaffirms your desire to serve her no matter what, because not only do you have the employees, but you got all these partners. I mean, think about it, Melissa, during bankruptcy, we still were signing up thousands and thousands of vendors on our Pearl marketplace. That's about brides that are going to be picking their vendors for the future. And they were still signing up for us, signing up with us. 
So I, I think um, it's a very humbling experience. And I think the people not only in the company, but that surround our company are just tremendous individuals that have that can see the dreams and the and the things that we want to accomplish at, at the company. But the second part of that is we dream big here. We, we do dream dream makers, our call centers, the dream center. Um, our ethos is we make dreams happen. That's why we exist as a company. All of those things are about dreaming big. I mean, who would have thought you would have literally implemented a loyalty program in the wedding business? I mean, and I can remember some of the trade magazines sort of making fun of us a little bit. What are they thinking? Somebody's going to get married 72 times and come to Davis Bridal every time. So, and and no, it wasn't about that. So I, it's really about the people and the people that surround our company that are tremendously special. Yeah. I mean, that is unbelievable. What a great story. Um, but I, I feel like there's got to be something about, you know, you as a leader that, you know, helps to get these people on board like this. Um, you know, so given your illustrious career, you've had a lot of, um, you've worked at a lot of other companies and a lot of other, other industries, you know, what would you say are your like top three leadership tips or, or, or tips in your toolbox? Sure. Well, that's kind of you to say, but it, you know, to me, it's really about the team. But when I think about, you know, me personally and my evolution as a, as a leader, I, I think of, I don't have three, I have five really. Okay. You know? Sorry <laughs> about great. that. Over deliver for you, Melissa. <laughs> um, you know, the first one is all about learning, continual learning. And I mean, learning from being self-aware and learning more about yourself and how you can be better to learning new ways customers want to do business with you you know 10 years ago there was no TikTok. now it's got a present you know a portion of our our marketing budget that's just an example um new ways of telling stories through ads or through influencers or whatever that may be to learning through conflict like learn like that's a hard thing in business any business has that you've got really you know amazing talented people all around the table there's going to be conflict learning through that how do you learn about yourself through that how do you learn about them that's where humans that's going to happen um you know learning about yourself on how you lead through disruption and the confidence you need to lead through disruption i mean in my view, confidence is going after Moby Dick in a rowboat and taking the tartar sauce with you. <laughs> How do you like, and, and think about all the things that modern retail leaders had to do dealing with COVID, like shutting things down. I mean, that just takes to me a tremendous amount of leadership courage to, to lead through that. And we all learned about ourselves and our companies and our customers through that. So the first one is just continual learning. The second thing is, and a, a, a really, really good mentor of mine gave me this phrase and I loved it. Her name was also Melissa, by the way. Um, she had this phrase which she called, how might we? Instead of approaching a problem with all the reasons why this happened or things that caused this problem to happen, her phrase was, well, how might we do it? How might we fix it? How, and it was just a little tiny flip of an approach and it was absolutely genius and i thought she was really smart for doing that and it's you know how might we how, how might we sort of paint the picture of what good looks like how might we from a change management perspective i mean if 
cauliflower can become pizza, anything in the world can happen, <laughs> right? You know, and a, the power of a made up mind is absolutely transformational. And I think, you know, getting the hearts and minds to a place like Diamond Loyalty was an example of that, you know, getting the hearts and minds to a place where we can revolutionize our industry with a loyalty program. It's amazing to watch. And I think, you know, being brave at, you know, at sucking at something new, you know, being able to, to figure out something new and sort of not be good at, it at the beginning as you learn it, I think is, is a tremendous help. I mean, I remember when we started talking about putting our employees in our marketing, we don't hire any models. Melissa, when you see marketing at David's bridal, that's our employees. Now there's one exception to that. I don't ask employees to model lingerie. I'm not going to ask the chicken accounting to put on a negligee. I'm not going to do that, <laughs> you know, but, but that, that's, a, you know, that was a, how might we, that was a lot of change. Think about the skill, Brian Dow, who's our head of creative, think about his skill and, you know, having somebody who works in the distribution center to act on a video for a commercial when they're not trained to do that. Like that's a how might we moment. So I really loved that. So that's sort of number two. Number three is just hire well and get out of their way. Um, there's nothing else to say about that. You know, higher talent, uh, I think is a tremendous asset to all teams. Four is laugh at yourself. Um, you know, that whole make mistakes thing, I think helps a lot of people and sharing the mistakes you make as a leader, I think are incredibly important. I remember uh, when I was at DSW, we launched a program called CLMs, which stood for career limiting moves. And we did that because I found that we weren't taking a lot of chances as a marketing team. We were getting sort of comfortable. We had had a lot of success and we weren't really trying innovative solutions at the time. And, so I, I, you know, I wanted something that celebrated failure, right? Celebrate, let's, because when you try a lot of things, some things aren't going to work and you're going to fail. So we launched this program called CLMs. And I remember the day after we launched it, the guy that ran email for me named Scott came up to me and he goes, you know, that whole like CLM thing you launched? I'm like, yeah. And he goes, I think I may have just won that award for the year. I'm like, Ooh, that sounds good. Wouldn't we do, you know? <laughs> And it turned out, he goes, you remember that, you know, $50 offer that we were going to send out to our, you know, millions of customers? I said, yeah. And he goes, yeah, well, I just sent the email out that says $50 off a $50 purchase. <laughs> oh, like, my God. Oh, that's a good one. Like, you know, but it turned out under the scenes, Melissa, the reason why that email went out like that is because we were trying to turn around an email from seven days to one. So the team was trying to do the right thing for the business. We just missed something. And so that's an example of, yep, get it. No worries, we'll, fi we'll, we'll fix it. But it's okay because you tried to pivot for the business. And mm. uh, that is a wonderful example of, of failing the right way. And the final thing I would say is, so the fifth one is really surrounding yourself with lots and lots of mentors and mm. lots and lots of inspiration. And I don't necessarily mean mentors of people that have higher titles than you. It's not about title at all. It's about, you know, having mentors that are willing to take the time to share with you intimately um, and, and in a selfless way, ways you can be better. And I've been so fortunate to have incredible mentors in my career 
Um, Bob Marcus is one. Um, Bonnie Wrights is another one who were in, you know, marketing for the Continental Airline back in the day. Jim Markham, our current CEO, is a very, a very selfless leader at that. So uh, highly recommend. And, and I would tell people in closing, if you know, if you look at the people in your circle and you're not inspired, then you have a circle, not a cage. So you really want to make sure you're inspired by everyone around you. Mm, wow. That's, that's a masterclass in leadership. That's awesome. Sticky with the leadership theme. I had read somewhere that you talked about being a leader with a servant's heart. And I, I've heard that phrase before, like a servant leader. Um, what, what does that mean to you? And why is it important? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I do feel that way. And I strive to be the best kind of servant leader I can. And I guess the best way to describe it is to give you like a real time example, you know, um, I have, you know, eight direct reports, and you know, I meet with them once a week. And those are our status meetings or our touch bases. And that meeting is set up in a way where I that meeting is about I'm serving you in this meeting. This isn't a status report where you're telling me everything you did all week. I believe in you that you've got it. I believe you got things under control. What can I do to help you be successful in what the business has asked you to do? Whether that's more resources, removing obstacles, clarity on a requirement, help with prioritization, whatever that may be. To me, it's about serving others. And it's not just that we believe that as leaders at David's Bridal, but that's our cultural ethos, Melissa. Mm. You are either serving her or serving somebody who is. And that it's a way to disarm, you know, it's a way to resolve conflict. It's a way to, we're all one group. And I don't think we would have been able to emerge out of bankruptcy if we didn't have this kind of culture, Melissa, because mm. it is so difficult in the moment because we were still you know we were we were our company was for sale right and we were balancing selling the company and reducing opex so we could maximize the runway it took to sell the company you know and you know we had to unfortunately let go of some of our coworkers and friends but you know you we were asking the organization to do more with less and and to see the way people you know stepped up and you know thought it was just absolutely extraordinary and it was really just about let's get into the arena and do whatever it takes to get this done and i don't think you can have that without serving others mm -hmm. i think you have to, i think that's an innate part of serving others is to say no wonder i got this this time you know every month in my town hall we do this thing called pay it forward where people recognize one person recognizes another person on the team for something that they've done such as it'd be like me going hey melissa you remember last week when you covered that meeting for me because i had something with my my child was sick i really appreciate that thank you for doing that for me you that and we do that out in the open and mm. people like we can only do 10 because of the time it is allocated on the agenda and every time we do it, Melissa, there's hands up wanting more and more and more. So uh, I think it's a, it's a really beautiful part of our, of our culture at David's. That's amazing. I love that so much. That's a great, um, I'm just thinking that would be great for, you know, our meetings or for any meetings. Um, Cause so much, so much good stuff happens and it just doesn't get recognized. Right. That's um, 
So one of the things I love about you, Kelly, knowing you through the years is that you're not afraid to be who you are. I mean, you're known, obviously, for your lipstick. You, people can't really <laughs> see this right now, but Kelly's got some fabulous red lipstick on. I, you know, I guess you're not your typical C-suite executive. So, you know, how have you been able to manage this in your career, especially when people, so many people think that they must change who they are to succeed? Yeah, th this this is such a great question, Melissa. And I think it's great that you ask it because I think it's super helpful for, for other women out there. Um, I remember when I first made vice president and I had someone come up to me and say, you're going to have to change now. You're going to mm. have to cut your hair. Um, you shouldn't wear, you know, pearls because I love pearls. It's a whole nother funny story about pearls in my pee, which I'll tell you later if we have time, but it's hilarious. Um, <laughs> you know, you sh you're going to have to tone down your lipstick. You're going to have to, you know, it, it was a whole sort of list of things I needed to change. And I, I remember this was somebody I respected, you know, um, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I've got to do like now I got to do it. So I bought khakis. That's not <laughs> khakis. I'm just saying, you know, I, I, most of my stuff has sequins on it, but you know, I changed my outward appearance. I didn't cut my hair because the love of my life husband loves my long hair and he divorced me and I don't want to raise five kids by myself. So I kept the hair long, you know, but I wore it up and I put it in French twists and I did all these other things. But the bottom line is that it didn't, it doesn't really matter the specifics. I, I changed out early who I was. And Melissa, I felt like an alien. Like I, I just, I did not feel myself. And I feel like to be a good person on the team and to be your authentic self, you've got to be true to who you are. And I tried it for about six months and it just, I, and I had people come to me, what's wrong? You don't seem like, cause I have this very obnoxious laugh. I get it from my dad, God rest his soul. I can't help it. You know, but even now they were like, you can't laugh that loud as a VP and a, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, and I, and I learned more importantly, two aspects. One, you have to be your authentic self, but two, you learn and you have an understanding is that there's a time and place for everything, right? You know, if you're standing up at a leadership conference and you've got, you know, 5,000 members of your team in there and you're ready to go hit the year running and we've got a new company and you're all excited, rah, rah, and that's excitement and go get them, you know, and there's a place for that. If you're in a boardroom and you're talking about, you know, liquidity or curing more capital that, you know, it's a little bit more subdued. And I think learning that balance, I think has been helpful, but I think the most important lesson is you, you have to be okay with who you are, because I think if you try to be any, everybody else is already taken, right? So be who you are uh, and, and, and find environments that work for you. I don't, I probably, wouldn't work in a, a bank setting, you know? <laughs> and that's okay. you know, that's okay. Yeah. Fashion retail is way more my vibe. Uh, and so I think that's the other thing too, is sort of learning what fits with your, your skill set and who you are. That's great. I love that so much. So I wanted to get back to a little bit to um, what you're doing at David's Bridal um, in terms of access, accessibility, um, making, making, dress shopping more accessible. We talked a little bit earlier about the cost and stuff, making the cost work for more people. But can you talk about some of the other things you've done there with sizing or just 
you know, thinking about the entire audience out there and what they might need from your company? Absolutely. So lots and lots of exciting things that we're doing and, and a lot of pivots that we're making based on what she's voting for. So some examples I can give you. Uh, last year, when Wednesday became the number one streaming show on Netflix, black wedding dresses exploded as an example. And, yeah, and, and they're phenomenal. You should see these wedding pictures wow. with black wedding dresses. Melissa. They are incredible. And it's black dresses juxtaposed with white with red flowers. I mean, it is stunning. But you know, we had those in our assortment already because Nancy's team, who's she's the other, she's the other president at David's, she runs merchandising and supply chain. They knew that was coming, right? They knew that black was coming, so we already had it. So, you know, the individuality of the modern bride and allowing her to express herself any way she wants is so yummy to watch, right? Because it's their personalities and their their desires coming to life and we have pink wedding dresses we have baby blue we have uh you know these black wedding dresses and we also have you know beaded and non-beaded we got feedback we needed more modesty you know in our wedding dresses right instead of the deep cut or the high leg they wanted more coverage all the way to the neck they wanted more coverage all the way to the sleeve so our our merchant friends did that so Having what the modern bride wants and then pivoting based on any adjustments, we are on it uh, immediately. And we have, I can't even think of anything right now that we don't have in our assortment that the modern bride is searching for. Yeah. Um, that We already talked about the opening price points. You know, we have wedding dresses that start at $199. I mean, they're tremendous dresses. But not only that, we heard from bridesmaids. Bridesmaids are saying, oh my gosh, I'm in six or seven or eight or nine different weddings and it's so expensive. So now we, our bridesmaids dresses start at $99 and they have what they call, what we call it sort of the power mesh fit mm. in the dresses. It's like size doesn't matter, fit does. And that the, we have literally the best fitting bridesmaids and bridal gowns that I've ever seen on the market. Mm. And we don't just make the dress. I mean, Nancy's team evaluated the bodies of thousands and thousands of women with all different kinds of shapes. You know, I, I tell the story about my own daughter, my future daughter-in-law, my her and my son are getting married next March. She's hmm. six foot tall. And she is a, a voluptuous woman with lots of curves, right? Hmm. And I think she's a size maybe 18 or so. And when she came to David's bridal and she put a gown on, she started crying. She said, Kelly, this is the first time I've seen my waist. Mm. I think about that, Melissa, like, <laughs> oh my gosh. And so that whole notion of fit and the best fitting gowns and it fitting the way you want it to fit. Do you want to accentuate your, your waist? Right. Do you want to accentuate your breasts, whatever it may be. I love that about us. And now we've got this amazing juniors assortment for homecoming. Mm, that's great. And we have one of the largest selection of plus size juniors in the country. Wow. So it's, it's really, really good. And we have price parity. We don't charge you more if you're a different size. That's right. kind of silly. So um a, a lot of amazing things that that we do in addition to diamond and giving people the opportunity to uh win a free honeymoon 
Oh, the Diamond Club. Right, right, right. The yeah. loyalty. Right. That's so cool. Okay, I could talk to you all day, Kelly. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but I'm gonna we're gonna I just have one more question and then we'll wrap it up. But what are you most excited about right now in the retail industry? Is there anything that you're thinking about or trends or just whatever you want to say? Yeah, I think the, the, like there's two things that are really excite me. One, I love and love and love and love the brand on brand partnership and marketing that we're starting to see out there. And it's not just how we're doing a collab. It's mm. like people are going out in big ways and doing advertising. We saw it on the, you know, the Super Bowl last year, you know, Forever 21 and Barney's just put out something big. Uh, we did a David's Bridal Bush Beer collab and partnership last year where we made a camo wedding dress. Like, I love the innovation of all the brands coming together and creating something phenomenal where a one plus one equals three approach to the customer. I really, really love that. I think the second thing I would say that I'm excited about is I, I really love the whole AI AR world going on right now. You know, we we launched augmented reality on our website during COVID. Um, you know, we launched AI in our Zoe platform. There's a lot of good AI stuff coming out right now just around product, you know, product um, uh, description copies yeah. and things like that. I think we have to be a little careful about it because now you're starting to see research about AI generated reviews that aren't real. Mm. You know, so Google's trying to crack down on that. So they're trying to be good partners there. But I think with everything, you have to look at it, assuming positive intent, and then sort of trust and verify on the backside anything that might have negative impacts to your business. But retail is a really, really fun industry. And it's just, not, I would say it's not for wimps. <laughs> you know, it's not for wimps. Retail is like not for the wimpy. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. You got, somebody said, it's like, you have to love to pivot. You know, you got to love to pivot. That's a really great line. That's what I'm <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah. Cause it's all about pivoting all the time. It's you're never just going to be having just the straight career, you know? So exactly. With that, I think we're, we're, that's pretty much all we have time for. But thank you so much, Kelly, for taking the time to share your, your wisdom and your thoughts with our audience. And it's just so great to chat with you. And congratulations on all your success. So thank you so much. Well, thank you, Melissa. I enjoyed it anytime. And, you know, if you ever need a dress, you know people. So call me. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Thanks for listening. For more information on this podcast, please go to womeninretail.com slash podcasts for show notes. Women in Retail Talks is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. Make sure to subscribe on our podcast channel page as well. If you've enjoyed this episode, please take a few moments to rate and review our show. Lastly, if you're a female retail leader interested in joining our community at Women in Retail Leadership Circle, visit womeninretail.com slash apply. Thanks, and until next time, this has been Women in Retail Talks.